Keeping Track, and you're listening to Molly Huddle, Alicia Montano, and Roisin McGettigan-Dumas. We want to highlight the important topics, inspiring stories, and amazing women in sport. We're three Olympians from two countries, two moms, and one current pro coming together to talk about issues we're passionate about in the sports world. And we care about the current and future landscape of women's sports. And this is just how we're keeping track. In this episode of Keeping Track, Ro and I talk with Michelle Carter. She is a three-time Olympian, American record holder, and the Rio Olympic champion in the shot put. She tells us how this past COVID year has gone, how she harnesses her confidence in competition, her plans outside of the track world, what it was like during that gold medal throw. She tells us about her special relationship with her coach slash sports star slash father, Michael Carter, and she advises us on how she's thrived by, as she states it, embracing all of who she is. Thanks for keeping track. A big shout out to Saucony for sponsoring our season two production costs. At Saucony, a good day is when we get to run. A great day is when we inspire someone else to run. Run for good and thanks for keeping track. Welcome back to Keeping Track, all our keeping trackers. Um, here I am with Roisin. We're catching up with this great episode. Ro, hi. How are you doing? What's going on on your end of the doing, Zoom call? Doing great. Still Zooming. <laughs> yeah, hanging in there with the old Zooms. My eyes are like a little blurrier this year, but yeah, it's all yeah. good. Happy to see you and be back on Keeping Track. I too am happy to see your square, your little square <laughs> on my computer. I miss Alicia, but she'll be back in some of our summer episodes. Mm-hmm. But for now, before we talk about our awesome interview with Shotput Olympic champion, Michelle Carter, um, we have quite a few shout outs. We have a lot going on mm-hmm. in the keeping track world. So you have to keep track of. Yes, we'll catch you all up. Um, so some of you may have seen back in January on our keeping track Instagram account, there was a really cool, um, basically media build out for the whole month on our Instagram account. Go scroll mm-hmm. back and look at all of our our images and some of our stats about women's sports, the lack of women's sports coverage in the U.S., some cool infographics. Mm-hmm. Those were all done pro bono by our friend Katie Burgess, who works for uh, an ad agency in Pittsburgh called Garrison Hughes. And she reached out to us to help us with our account and this campaign that she created. And we just wanted to give her a shout out for doing a great job. And also um, she's up for four Addy Awards. It's an award given out in the advertising agency for that work. So really awesome. We're totally rooting for you, Katie. Yeah, it's um, brilliant. And actually like how relevant her campaign is now, like during this NCAA basketball tournament and and how much people are noticing the discrepancy between coverage for men and women's sports. So I think Katie's work actually, you know, is, is really relevant. And um, I was so impressed by her skills. She's amazing graphic design and and her um, copywriting and everything is really good. Yeah, it was really great. Um, parody in women's sports is a hot topic right now. And so I think she was really on the pulse with that. It's something we've mm-hmm. wanted. It's basically the foundation of this podcast. So mm-hmm. it's really cool to see that all getting headlines. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Long may it last. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, so go, in, yeah, yeah, go yeah. scroll. Scroll and check it out. That's Katie. Um, check out Garrison Hughes. Any it's businesses that need some, some ad work. And thank you. And good luck, guys. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Moving on, um, we have mentioned Ann Mother's 
sponsorships of their three mother athletes that they uh, would like to do more of. They have three now that they're sponsoring in the track world. We think Alicia is doing a great job. We're really proud of that. And so we would like to, um, Keeping Track wants to donate towards those um, future sponsorships for athlete moms. So that's going to be our initiative for this next month. So Anne Mother, we'll be reaching out to you. We love what you're doing. Um, Definitely want to support that. Keep it up. Yeah. And give a shout out to Tiana Bartoletta, one of our guests, one of our early guests, one of our earliest guests. Um, who is now taking pre-orders on her much-awaited memoir, Survive in Advance. Um, and if you haven't, you know, listened to Tiana's interview with us um, from season one of Keeping Track, it's a really, really interesting listen and I really loved having Tiana on. Um, she's a great writer. She's a great speaker. She's a great athlete. <laughs> um, and I'd actually love to have her back on to hear more about her book. So hopefully we can line that up around book launch or something like that. Um, but yeah, you can pre-order her book now. And her blogs are great. Really, a must follow on all social media. Yes, we'll link her blogs and how you can pre-order her book. Um, I've been waiting for her to come out with a book. So this, she is a great writer. Can't yeah. wait to read it. And while speaking of books, Molly, tell us about your book. How's it going? Yes, um, how she did it. Uh, the book I co-wrote with, Sarah Slattery. Um, it's basically a collection of interviews with some of the greatest female runners from the last many decades, and um, also part training guide for up and coming female athletes. Roisin, mm-hmm. you gave some great um, insights in the book yourself in the sports psychology section. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's in first round of editing. So there'll be a lot Sounds of pages, like, yeah, a lot of red like marks. <laughs> Sounds like we can geek out with this book, Molly. It sounds very comprehensive. So many athletes covered in it. Love so many stories. I can't wait to dig in and yeah, geek out. So we can be all the runner geeks can unite in this book and totally. learn from each other. Four geeks, by geeks. Um, <laughs> it was great. It was great to talk to a lot of these athletes. Like I got to talk to a lot of my own heroes by talking to Lynn Jennings and um, women like Madeline Mims and. Um, you know, Joan Samuelson, all the way up to Shelby Houlihan. So there's, there's a lot of great stories in there. Yeah. And uh, getting to talk to all these athletes, uh, Molly, I know some of them are your competitors, but some of them are your heroes. Did it leave you inspired yourself? Like, do you feel like you learned from from speaking with them? I totally did. Yeah. I think um, there are a lot of lessons in everyone's interview. So totally. Yeah. So you kind of like self, not self-serving, well, kind of, but then you get to share that every with everybody else now, like the wisdom that you can collect it from all of them. For sure. Yeah. And that's the aim of the book, just to show, um, you know, how these women had a really good, healthy relationship with sports. And even if they did hit some of the pitfalls, how they made it through it, who they leaned on, what they learned, nice. what they would do different. So yeah, definitely a book um, to kind of help other athletes succeed. Right. And it sounds like there's such a variety of athletes there that everyone should be able to find somebody that they can kind of um, not model off, but like identify with there are some parts of the story that they can connect with their own stories and, and mm-hmm. really learn from that. So that's, I can't wait to read that. It's going to be great. Well done. When, what's the launch date on that? Yeah, I think it's a little flexible, but it's going to be roughly January of 2022. Okay. Which used to sound like so far off, but now it's like only a few months away. Yeah. Which is so crazy. Well, yeah. Uh, you. So with your um, journal, 
the Believe I Am journal, you you have experience with like the printing process and the editing yeah. process. And so it does take many months from like yeah, print to really distribution. Does. Yeah. It really does. It really does. Yeah. It's yeah, it's a massive process. So um I, I get it, but it seemed like it was it always seems so far away and next minute you realize, oh yeah, it's only it makes sense now. Like it takes that long. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So we'll We'll post a link for the Believe I Am journals because you can buy those now. And don't worry, we'll let you know when, how she did it is ready for pre-order. Thanks, Molly. Thanks for a little shout out there. (laughs) Um, And then finally, we have um, a Patreon account now, which is a platform that anyone who listens to bloggers or follows people online who create content as a way to support uh, podcasters and content creators or I don't know if that's the right term. Um, but yeah, if you want to follow our Patreon account, we'd, we'd be delighted to have, um, your support. Um, and we, we'd also be adding more kind of swag, keeping track swag. <laughs> Three word. I throw in a C there. I think. <laughs> swag. I don't know. It's swag. swag. I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, we hope to have more, um, cool stuff merch yeah <laughs> in the future but yeah thanks for anyone who is <laughs> going to support us on patreon we really appreciate that yeah we um i'm not home to ship our swag merch <laughs> i actually swag, don't swag. both of the words make me cringe swag merch um our teas our visors anything you guys bought to support us we really appreciate but um they will be available again but probably you- late summer you should be you, you don't want to travel around Europe and racing and carrying a box of t-shirts <laughs> <laughs> yeah no come on Molly just kidding okay yeah no, that's great yeah we'll have more cool stuff in the summer and um so thanks for yeah checking us out on Patreon yes and as always um comment like and subscribe <laughs> <laughs> and now coming up is our favorite like one of the, my favorite guests so far this year has been with Michelle Carter she's really interesting and what a legend in the sport um really like felt inspired listening to that interview um yeah I don't know what do you think Molly I agree I loved talking with Michelle um she has such an interesting story she's a champion she's the goat and she um she's the U.S. goat of shot put and I could have listened to her for another hour she's another yeah. one of the interviews that I really want to have back on yeah I yeah exactly um so yeah enjoy and this is the real gem of an interview so I really thank Michelle for joining us and I uh, wish her the best of luck she's so wise and interesting and yeah she's doing a lot so it's great yeah and she's one of the athletes that you see out there giving back already even though she's still in her career as a, a thrower she's setting up um camps to give back to young girl athletes and she's always open for giving advice to the throwers she even competes against that are up and coming so I really loved I loved that about her story yeah she's like a fierce competitor and yet she's not afraid to help her competitors it's like Mm -hmm. amazing yeah it's really cool yeah that's a sign of confidence which we also talk about how she cultivated her confidence um Mm -hmm. so yeah confidence yeah you'll love it lots of different topics and and stuff that we haven't really heard about before on um, from athletes so some good stuff there so enjoy and we'll hopefully speak to you guys soon thanks for keeping <laughs> track thank y'all 
Welcome back to Keeping Track. It's me and Roisin today while Alicia is at altitude. So shout out Alicia getting the training in. Um, And our guest today is the Michelle Carter, three-time Olympian, Olympic champion from Rio in the shot put, American record holder, and working on Olympic team number four. So Michelle, we are so psyched to have a gold medalist on our podcast. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, tell you. us how how are you and how have things been going this last year? Uh, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. The last year definitely has been different, but I can appreciate the time that I've had um, that I normally wouldn't have. Like I've been at home the most ever since I started track and field, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I've been trying to look at the upside of it that I've had time with friends and family that I hadn't had before. And I've been trying to decorate my house. I put up wallpaper mm. and been buying things. So um, mm. I've enjoyed the time, but also um, been just trying not to stress that things aren't the way I would like it to be, but just trying to deal with the way things are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's forced into this, like, you know, spiritual crisis of like, let's just be with what is, you know, let's go with expectations. And it's kind of like everyone's forced into this now. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard as an athlete, too. Like, I know gyms were shut down and things have opened up recently, but how is, like, did you have to improvise at all with training or how's that yeah, going? I did improvise. Um, I, w- I didn't get to work out for like a couple of months and now a little bit more than that. And right now I'm still not going to the gym because Texas numbers are still fairly high. And plus like my mother-in-law is recovering from cancer. I have a great grandmother who's 102 that my mom helps take care of. So for me, I can't risk getting anyone sick by just being out and about. So I have a good amount of equipment at home that I've been able to accumulate over time and it's still growing. So I I may not ever have to go back to a gym, but just trying to get creative with my workouts and uh, put my body in different positions I haven't done before has been helpful. So I just Mm -hmm. do what I can with what I have. And imagining like we're like probably primarily speaking to runners and distance runners on our podcast. So I'm just trying to imagine what your training is like as a shot putter and how much time do you spend in the gym? Is that like the primary focus of your training in in that kind of gym environment or like, or, or yeah, I'm just guessing it is, but for me, I think it's more like, it's like, it's like 50, 50. I spend just mm. as much time in the gym as I do outside. So a, a couple okay. of hours to two to three, like two, three hours a day in each, I would wow. say, because, yeah. you know, the recovery time in between weights, cause since we are lifting fairly heavy, um, you might need a little bit more recovery time. So some days it may take three hours, some day it may take an hour and a half. It just depends. Mm-hmm. But um, I we do spend a good amount of time in the weight room. So you investing in a home gym is actually worth it for you. Not it like, is. It is. Right. Yeah. You know, I used to say, I never want a home gym. I never, I want to mm-hmm. go to the gym to go work yeah. out. But now I'm like, I just got to walk downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And are you starting to get some serious work in there? Like he's been I am, able to I am. Yeah, I've had to add some more weights. So I got to go buy some more weights sometimes. Like, um, but it's been it's been great. I've enjoyed it. Um, and I, I've never thought that I would enjoy being at home as much as I have been at home. But I'm learning to enjoy it. How do you have a schedule set up for the spring? Um, for competitions like is there anything you're pointing towards well 
I, I got to just put the exact dates, which meets I want to go to, but I definitely want to head up some of the meets we're going to have in Prairie View because mm-hmm. that's not far from me. That's like a four hour drive. Um, I could definitely go down there because I'm in Dallas, Texas, and those meets are in the Houston area. Um, and then there's a possible meet here in Fort Worth because there's a um, this little training center that they built um, and they actually just built a track this past year. I've been out there a couple of times and it's a nice facility. And so um, I got to double check to see if they're going to have my event. I will hope they have my event since mm-hmm. I'm in Texas and Fort Worth is literally actually the, the center is like three 30 minutes from me. So I would love to just go down the street and have a couple of competitions. And I was thinking also like a Tucson elite is normally like a throws meet. So I'm kind of planning to go there. How we get there? I'm not sure. I don't know if I want to get on the plane or we might just drive down there a couple of days early. So I'm not sure yet about that. Yeah. There's been some local meets popping up, which is good. If you want to try and keep everything local as long as possible. That's kind of yeah. our strategy. <laughs> yes, same here. But when you're you know normal season, it's like you know you're kind of spinning for half the year, right? You're going to meet to meet and back and forth, and a, a quiet weekend is like a rare thing that's nice yeah. in the normal weekend. But now you've had like a year with that, so are you starting to get like excited about competing again? How are you feeling about the, the Olympics? this year in the trials and everything yeah no I'm excited to compete again I remember watching a couple of indoor meets on tv and I'm like oh man I miss that like I miss like getting ready getting your bags packed getting your uniform together to fly out somewhere and then compete and see all the people that I haven't seen in over a year at this point because it's like a certain part of the year where you know you get to see your track friends and and now it's like I'm, I haven't seen anybody except for on Instagram so that kind of <laughs> really made me miss I, I guess I miss competing, but just miss the environment and the people that I get to be around in track season. I think I miss that a little bit more than the competitions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely yeah. agree with that. Part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes it all more worthwhile and more fun. It does. Yeah. Is there a good is there a good rapport between um throwers? Like, do you have a good relationship with some of your competitors like yeah well you know I'm I'm now like the matriarch in my event yes so you know the um the young lady who one of the young ladies who made the Olympic team with me in 2016 she broke my national high school record and then she made the Olympic team in 2016, her senior year in high school. Her name is Raven Sanders. And so it's like nice to be around and watch people grow up in the sport. And then like also give them words of advice because I'm I'm pretty open. Whatever they have a question or a concern, I tell them like, ask me because I had people that I was able to ask and I want to see you do well. Um, mm-hmm. Ask me. And so I, I enjoy that because the better mm-hmm. we all are, the better our team is. And mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to throw forever. Someone has to come in and replace me. So I want them to be just as, just as good as I was and not better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're going to build your legacy with that nearly, you know, you're passing on your <laughs> yeah. earned wisdom and that's really nice. Yeah. Like I wanted to ask you a little later, but um, we could talk about you throw girl now because yeah. that kind of ties in. Can you tell people what you started with you throw girl and kind of what the mission is and how that's yes. going? So you throw girl pretty much started because I got questions from parents all the time asking me like, you're so confident. You're so confident. Like, why are you so confident? How are you so confident? <laughs> and they were saying that meaning like, I'm not your average size athlete. Like 
I don't have a six pack. I don't have muscles. I'm bigger than most women. And I get parents who have tall girls or bigger girls. They're like, my daughter's just not confident. Like, how are you able to do that? And so since I saw this question kept coming up, I'm like, what can I do? Like, this is a need. Is p- People need this because they're asking me, what can I do for this? And that's when I came up with You Throw Girl. But it didn't start at You Throw Girl. We had to go through several names to get to You Throw Girl. <laughs> I love it. But we call it Youth Throw Girl Sports Confidence Camp because, um, of course, we're geared towards athletes, but I realized that at the end of the day, if you don't have the confidence in yourself and who you are at your core, then it doesn't matter what you do outside of that. And so my main focus for this camp is to really build up their belief in who they are as young women. And knowing that their skills and what they're good at is just like the icing on the cake. It's something extra for you. It's not all of who you are. Because it's easy as athletes, you get tied up in your skill and you think, this is who I am. This is all I have to offer. And that's not true. That's just mm-hmm. your icing. You still have a whole cake underneath that that's still just as good as the icing. And so... Mm-hmm. We do a lot of different events at the camp. We have self-defense class. We do goal setting and vision boards. We have an etiquette class. Of course, we have workouts. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then we have the Shot Diva Beauty class where I, I, we talk oh, about hygiene. I bring in an um, adolescent OBGYN to come and talk to the girls about puberty and things that are going on with their bodies. And then I teach them age-appropriate makeup tricks um, and skin care and hair care. And then we get all dressed up, dolled up, and I take them to a fancy dinner. So last year I was able, not well, not last year, 2019, I was able to take them to Three Forks. And it was just so cute to see all the girls dressed up in their own little outfit, showing their personality, using their etiquette skills at dinner, and just enjoying themselves and having a nice dinner. So I definitely look forward to, um, when I retire from track and field, to build out You Throw Girl to where we have multiple events. events well events and sports that are able to come together for a week to two weeks and we're pouring into these young girls so that they can really feel good about who they are and um and go out there and be great that's awesome we'll we'll drop a link send us a link to how you can sign up or find out more youthrowgirl.com youthrowgirl.com this episode's sponsor is gatorade endurance and this month's focus is personalization is power Backed by science, G-Endurance empowers the athlete to work with their own specific fueling and hydration needs for performance and training. The new GX Sweat Patch and app combine the wealth of knowledge from the Gatorade Sports Science Institute to provide athletes with personalized nutrition and recovery plans. The GX Sweat Patch is a first-to-market wearable that unlocks athletes' unique sweat profile to inform their personalized hydration strategies that can help drive performance. I've actually used this myself when working with the lab crew from the Gatorade Sports Science Institute, which is, by the way, a really fascinating place that this running nerd wanted to explore all day. And we took the guesswork out of my hydration plan for my marathon buildups. Now you can do this at home. So take what you learn about your own sweat and personalize how you fuel and hydrate. There are a ton of options for your preferred fueling method with the Gatorade Endurance Chews, the gels, the endurance formula, and the Gator Lights. My personal favorite are the gels. I love the gentle flavors, especially apple pear and the new cherry lime, and they're really easy to digest. Gatorade Endurance products are now available at over 400 Dick's Sporting Goods locations, as well as Amazon, endurance.gatorade.com, and the run specialty locations where you found them in the past.
And is it just a one kind of camp right now, or is it like, would you like to see like chapters around the country kind of thing? Like uh, all of the above, because <laughs> <All laughs> yeah. I realized I can't be in uh, 10 places at one time, no. yeah. but if I yeah. can duplicate it and give girls this opportunity, um, then I would love to do that. But of course, I, I definitely want to start traveling with it, having it in different locations. So it's easier for people on one side of the country to get to it versus the other side. But if we could have it in more than one location, that would be great, too. Because um, oh I definitely want this to be a different camp experience. I want this to be like almost like a luxury camp experience, because a lot mm-hmm. of times at camps, um, a lot of camps, you get you don't get the best of things. They try to just get like the bare minimum. But I want these girls to feel like how I feel when we're going to circuit and we get these nice little gift bags and we have these nice hotels and they have these nice little dinner parties for us. And that would really make track special for me. So I want these young girls to feel this at an early age. Like you're worth having these nice things just because of who you are, even while you're working to be better. Like enjoy, like this is for you. I give great gift bags. And I really pride myself of giving great gifts for the girls. And I love it. That's cool. I mean, that's got to feel nice for two reasons. Because I feel like one reason a lot of the times women's sports are given kind of like the leftovers or the scraps or not as much like sparkle and shine as the men's sports. And also because track kind of is like that too. So they probably are like, oh, like this is nice. (laughs) Yeah. Like it versus like, oh, you do the bare minimum and like toughen up and just like be grateful. You're like, no, how about we show that there's like a lot, you know, that it's a, it's a positive thing and that it's okay to receive that and you're worthy yeah. of that. Yeah. Is confidence something that isn't come natural to you? I would say yes and no. I have my moments where I've struggled with confidence, but I have been able to figure out how to build my confidence up and notice when my confidence is a little low. Um, and I think when I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease, um, which is an autoimmune disease where my body attacks my thyroid, my confidence really struggled because now what was normally in my control is no longer in my control. And that's just how my body feels, how my body gained weight and all these different factors. So I definitely had to really do some inner work to really rebuild the confidence in who I am today versus who I would like to be and who I was. That's great. And it forced on you to kind of like face that and develop that for yourself. And now you want to share that. Like, was that really helpful for you? Did that change you in a a better way? It did. It did. Um, Because I realized people struggle with this stuff more. And then people see that I'm struggling. I know you're struggling. And that's okay. We all struggle. And so I really believe that there's power in sharing our stories Um, Mm -hmm. And so I am really big in sharing of some of the things that I go through so that people know that they're not alone and that they can overcome this. And um, so that's something that I realized, like, even while I'm working on my own confidence, talking about confidence all the time is like a constant reminder of what I need to do, too. So I tell people, I'm telling you, but I'm also telling myself. Right. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's the truth. Right. You teach what you need to learn nearly. And that's yeah. Yeah. And that's okay to like still be working on it yourself. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's really nice. Yeah. Great. It seems like there's like a focus on like the body positivity with you, Throw Girl, is like, you know, your your strength sport, your power sport. So like Mm -hmm. you might not look like all the other athletes, but like there is beauty and power and marketability too in that. Like, is that something you ever struggled with or did you always know that? Or like, 
it's valuable because I know a lot of, especially female athletes do struggle with that. But yeah. can you talk about that journey? Like I was like five, nine in the third grade, right? <laughs> so I always stuck out and mm-hmm. I was always thicker mm-hmm. than most people. So I definitely, um, with like the community that I live in and with my parents, um, I felt okay being my size. But then it was funny because by the time I got to college, I realized people were like, oh, well, you're cute for a big girl. Like, oh, you're fast for a big girl. And I'm like, but I'm an athlete. I'm just a person. Like, I have these skills. Mm-hmm. Does it matter that I'm bigger than the most and the average mm-hmm. person that I can't do it? And so I realized that it really wasn't an issue that I had. It was issues that other people had. So for mm-hmm. some reason, you're bigger than the average person. They feel like you're less than, that you can't do this. But mm. in college, I ran an open 400 meters for a time trial, and I ran it in, in 59 seconds. Oh, wow. <laughs> but at, at practice, even through, through the pros, I can get out the box faster than the 100 and 200 meter sprinters for the first 10 to 20 meters. Like, I have that speed and explosiveness. Mm-hmm. I'm just as capable. I'm just bigger mm. because I, I, that's how I'm made. I can control yeah. that. That's how I'm yeah. built. Right. So other people have biases towards you, like, or, to, you know, around that, then that are not necessarily the reality. And you're just like, yeah. that's your issue. Yeah. I'm an amazing athlete. I love it. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's true. Huh? Can you um, tell us a little bit about um, your training setup? And I think is your dad still your coach a little yeah, bit about that relationship I know a lot of people know Michael Carter but for those that don't if you could do a little bit of a background on that story <laughs> yeah so my dad he's like an okay athlete because he's only a silver <laughs> medalist but um <laughs> but now my dad is um he is a silver medalist in the 1984 Olympic Games in men's shot put um he's also the only athlete to have an Olympic medal and a Super Bowl ring within the same year because that same year 1984 he after the Olympics he was drafted into the NFL and they won the Super Bowl that same year. Um, But he played football with San Francisco 49ers for nine years and they won three Super Bowls and he's attended um, three Pro Bowls. So, I mean, he's all right. He's all right. (laughs) (laughs) So, without him as my coach, um, I remember when I came to him with track and field, he was like, like, who's making you do this? Who said something to you? Because I didn't know that my dad was in track and field because um, back in those days, uh, it was track and field was considered amateur. And if you were a professional athlete in any sense, you could no longer participate in the Olympic trials. So once he signed his football contract, he couldn't go back to track and field. So I grew up with my dad playing mm-hmm. football. I didn't know what he did in track and field until after I started. So he definitely wanted to make sure that this was something I chose and was interested in and that no one had told me what he accomplished and tried to push me towards that. And they didn't. I genuinely was just curious. I'm like, well, I'll try it. Like, I have no problem. And mm-hmm. he became my coach. and. We don't always get along, <laughs> but it's gotten better over time, especially when I was young. It was horrible. My mom was definitely the referee a lot of times, but <laughs> I do appreciate the relationship of having my dad as my coach because I know he wants nothing but the best for me. Yeah. And you think it's important that you did discover for yourself that you came to him like that, that, you know, that he didn't push it on you because what like sounds like once he kind of god I was okay with you doing it I mean, he was like fully in on it like he's like okay you yeah. want to do this you're going to do this yeah he was like if you're going to yeah. do this i'm gonna teach you how to do it right like that's gonna do, do, do yeah olympic 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, but not knowing, I'm like, okay, because my dad was already my basketball coach. Because my, mm-hmm. my second sport, I, my first sport was soccer. My second sport was basketball. And um, I wanted to play for my church league. And they only had boys teams. And so I was on the boys team. And then when some of the girls saw me on the boys team, it was like, well, we want to play too. So we ended up getting enough girls to have our own team. And no mm-hmm. one wanted to coach us. No one. And so my dad was like, well, I'm going to coach my girls. Like, if they can't find the coach, then I'll coach them. So my dad was our basketball coach. So he was already in my coach in a different capacity. So when him mm-hmm. coaching me and in, in, in shot and disc, it was like, okay, well, cool. I don't see nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Then over time, I realized, oh, that's not really normal. But, <laughs> but it is ah, normal for us. It was meant yeah. to be. It worked yeah. out. <laughs> and you hold it over him that you have an Olympic gold medal and he has gold all, the medal. Time. all the time. He was like, Well, you have to listen to me. I said, Why should I listen to a super medalist? <laughs> and then he was like, Well, I'm the coach of the gold medalist. So then you have to listen to me. I'm like, Okay, I'll let you have that one. Good point. <laughs> So, What's it like to win an Olympic medal? Sorry, Molly. No, I yeah, I, I was going to ask along the same yeah. lines. Can you take us back to that throw, like that day at the yeah. Olympics? I remember I was in the 10K, so you and I both were the first day, right? Yes. Is that right? And yes. so you had to bring the energy that day. Can you tell us, like take us back? <laughs> yeah, I just remember feeling so calm that day. Uh, I mean, Two things, because I've been there at the Olympics. This is my third time, so I kind of know what to expect for sure. But I felt just like a different sense of peace and confidence that I haven't felt. Um, because this year was definitely different than all the other years. Because I was hurt three months before the Olympic trials with the herniated disc in my back. And it really like set a lot of things off course. But I definitely had to really grow mentally for my sport because I knew I wasn't 100% okay. So I remember we I'm in fifth and second place the entire time is after my fifth throw, getting ready for my sixth throw. And all I could think to myself was like, okay, Michelle, this is it. You don't have any other chance. This is your opportunity to win. Like, do we want silver? Like, no, my dad has silver. I want gold. And so I remember just saying a quick prayer because um, my faith is very important to me. And so I prayed. I was like, Lord, listen, (laughs) if you said I could win, if if this is for me, this is your opportunity to come down and help your girl out. Right. (laughs) And so um, I just really focused for that last throw. And I remember, okay, like, let's go. And I remember just throwing. And the one thing that I didn't feel on all my five throws that I was trying to feel, I felt on that sixth throw. And that was just being more patient with my upper body, giving my legs more time to work and then throwing. Like I felt it on that last throw and I knew it was further. I didn't know how far. So if you ever watched the video, um, and then they showed me walking out the ring. I'm kind of looking like, yes, like, okay, like, all right, I felt that. And I was just happy that what I had been practicing on actually showed up for me. Did I know it was going to be good enough for first place? I'm like, no, but then I didn't even mm-hmm. have the last throw. So I knew that whatever I threw, that the Valerie had a chance to beat me. And so after I threw and I saw how far it went, I was like, what? This is like, what happened? Like I threw that far because you wait for your Nike throw and then you wait for your name to pop up and it takes so long, but really it isn't that long. And I saw my name and then it had NR next to it. And then it had number one and then it showed my distance. And I was like, what? (laughs) 
<laughs> like I wasn't I don't know what I was expecting but I don't know if I was expecting that but then I was thinking to myself like I gotta keep I gotta play it calm because I don't want to give her any energy to try to come back and beat me because you know sometimes well I don't know about you for me if someone um celebrates a little too soon like you just lost like you just gave me a little mm-hmm. extra arm to go after you and I'm like mm-hmm. let me calm down I don't want to get too excited and then when she threw and we couldn't see how far it was and we're waiting for her name to pop up and then her name pops up and there's a number two next to her oh. name and I remember the first thing I said was like really <laughs> like this is, this, this is how this plays out and I was like really I kept saying really over and over and over again because when you're thinking about your dreams and goals, you kind of have it mapped out how you would like it to go or how you think it should go. But then when I got there, I'm like, this is how it really happened. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't dream this. I couldn't make this up. Like, this is wow. how this happened. And here we are. Yeah. Oh, my God. I look at hair in the back of I my know. <laughs> what, what was your dad doing? Was he, I mean, he probably was down close because he's coaching. So what was his reaction? Yeah. I remember after that first, after that last throw, I turned around and looked at him. He was like, good job, like, good job. But we still didn't know how far it was. And so and even after we got the distance, he was like, good job. But then we ain't going to get too happy because, yeah. you know, the competition wasn't over. And so mm-hmm. my dad, he played it cool the whole time. Like, yeah, I knew that could happen. And so the camera <laughs> was trying to catch up because they was like, they wanted some emotion from him. My dad was like, I'm not giving them any emotion. But then when he got to his room, he said he cried like a baby. <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing I'm sure like any parent's dream is to have your kid one up them like one better than them right so that was probably pretty awesome yeah Yeah. and that's what my parents always say like we just want you to do better than what we did like that's Mm -hmm. all we want like if you can take what we've done and we'll be giving you and do more with it like that's it so I know my dad was really happy because it's been a lot of days that we spent together a lot of times where we gotten into it over shot put but it all worked yeah. out at the end. Yeah. And I'm really interested because like I kind of do work in sports psychology consulting and like looking at like the process and focusing on that and just that intrinsic reward of doing something right. Like you said, like you knew you got it right and it felt good and you walked away being like, oh, that felt really good. Yeah. And and that's what most athletes can really aspire to get as much as possible, right? That right feeling of like that felt right. I'm wondering then when you add like now you're the big champion on top of that. Like what how much many levels does that bring that up? Or does it does it just just feel really good? I'm curious, like what is the feeling to be like, yeah, that felt good, but now you're also going to get rewarded as an Olympic yeah. champion. Well, it's a uh, lot of double whammy. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it, it is a double whammy because it adds, it adds, it makes the prize so much sweeter because in track mm. and field, that's the ultimate goal is to become mm. an Olympic champion. So, mm-hmm. but I, I think I probably still would have been just as happy at silver, to be honest, because I went out there and did my very best. And mm-hmm. for me, that's that's always my focus more so than a medal or a placement. If I go out there and I do my best, I can't be mad at where the chips fall, you know, like yeah. where they, whatever happens, happens. But I know that I went out there and gave my best. And if my best was silver, then that's my best. I can't be mad. I just yeah. have to celebrate what I have and and, and move forward. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. Hey friends, Molly here again talking about this month's partner, Gatorade Endurance. This month, we're embracing how personalization is power. How are you going to tailor your training and preparation uniquely to you? Check out endurance.gatorade.com as well as Amazon, your local run specialty shop, and now Dick's Sporting Goods for the Gatorade Endurance fuel and hydration that suits you the best. 
You can also find their new GX Sweat Patch and pair it with the phone app, which helps you test your personal sweat profile. Gatorade Endurance is backed by science and formulated for farther. And I know, Ro, this is technically your question from our little prep, but um, you mentioned, so you beat Valerie uh, Adams, who is like, one of the queens of the shot put. Yeah. Um, we were talking about how Valerie back home in New Zealand is like a household name, basically. Yeah. And here in the US, it's like a little different with track overall, but also the field events, I feel like, even yeah. are like not as highly marketed. And um, so what was that like? Like, what do you think we could do better? And what did you, um, did you notice an increased platform after that? Um, do you think it could have been bigger? Do you yeah. have ideas? Ideas um, to share. <laughs> yeah, so there there was an increase of platform because now it's like you're credible. Like you you're out here, you've done it. More people have seen me than ever before. Um, but I think like the tips and tricks are be prepared to always tell your story. Because I think that what resonated the most about myself in general is because I'm not, I don't look like your typical athlete. And the fact that there was a whole body positivity movement going on and as well as a black girl magic movement going on really kind of heightened my visibility because I'm all of that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, but at the same time, I was not prepared to handle all the things that came my way. Cause it was just me. It was mm. just me. And so, um, I, if I went back and redid it all, I definitely would have hired some people to kind of help me in that process to kind of take on and not just take on the responsibility of getting things settled, but also help me to use it more to my advantage. Because mm. there is something magical about being the Olympic champion that can bring you the visibility and credibility to really put yourself out there. But you can't do that alone. It's a lot mm-hmm. of work. Social media and media marketing is a whole other job in itself. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so for athletes who are in a position to do very well or and to have your story told, I would say have some people in place for that just in case moment. So when I do win, you're, you're on the clock. Let's go. And <laughs> that will help you to still focus on your job, but also take advantage of all the opportunities that will come your way from being not just the Olympic champion, but getting a medal at the Olympics, period. And then mm-hmm. also those who have really great stories, whose stories get told even if they didn't win. Like have that in place so then you have someone that's able to help you navigate and maximize all the opportunities that comes with the Olympic year in general um, yeah. to help you. Yeah. And your influence, maximize your influence as yes. an Olympian. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to be someone that specifically is in marketing. It could be a friend or a cousin, but someone that can kind of speak on your behalf so you don't have to do all the interactions because it's tiring. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, um, yeah, are you are you excited for another kind of opportunity now this summer? <sighs> I'm torn, if I'm honest. Uh, I'm torn yeah. because, you know, the Olympics will not be the same Olympics we've grown to know mm-hmm. and love. It's going to look different this year, however that happens. And even if it happens, we don't know what's going to happen in the future. We hope for the best. But, um, of course, we hope for the best last year and we saw what happened. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I'm along for the ride. Whatever happens at this point is what what's going to happen. And I just want to put my best foot forward and whatever happens, I'm going to roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'd say an Olympic medal could be freeing or pre- or there could be pressure to return. It's whatever way you choose to look at it. 
like icing on the cake after that yeah. or like having to live up to it. So well, see, look, I look at it. It's the icing on the cake, but that cake, we ate it up four years ago. <laughs> so it's time <laughs> to make another cake. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Great. Well, great. Michelle, this was great. I don't want to take up too much of people's time. Um, one Speaking of storytelling, one of our questions we like to ask on this podcast is what about your story would you like to share that maybe isn't as widely known or as widely talked about or just anything you want to say about your your journey in the sport? Yes. So um, as a child, I was diagnosed with ADHD and dyslexia and a a small speech impediment. And um, I knew that. And my mom always told me that things were going to be different for me, but my mom never made it feel impossible. And doing research, I've learned that a lot of high-level athletes have ADHD to some degree or dyslexia. Like you have a little bit of a learning, um, I I hate to say disability, but a little bit of a learning issue. Um, But a lot of those people become great athletes and great entrepreneurs because you're able to see the world differently. And so I've taken and embraced all of who I am. And the funny part is like, I have a speech impediment, but I speak as part of like my job and that I've used it to my advantage and um, not let something that the world look at as a disadvantage to take away from me. But I feel like it adds to me. It makes me different because I can see things different. I can explain things different. And so I definitely want to help encourage others who may have some learning differences, that it's okay. There's nothing wrong with you. You just do it different. And if we all learned and did everything the same, it'd be boring because we'll get the same idea over and over again. And we need people who are different and able to see things different to help make life better. That's that's great. (laughs) I've never heard that part of your story. Um, And actually, it's funny you say that about your speech because I never noticed it, but I always love your Instagram lives or your Instagram stories where you're talking to us. I'm like, I love Michelle's voice. (laughs) That's that's great. I'm like, I could listen to her talk all day. (laughs) Oh, I appreciate it. But yeah, that'll be very helpful to a lot of people, that kind of message. And it's a really reframe on some of the like, uh, I'm not shame or like silence people have around learning disabilities um, or any of those diagnoses and how you're just like this is actually my like you know my superpower <laughs> I see yeah, things differently yeah. so that's brilliant that's so empowering so thank you for that it's, yeah. it's really beautiful yes thank you for um, sharing your story and your superpowers with us we hope that empowers some of our listeners and um, yeah we'll definitely link we'll link your Olympic throw (laughs) Um, a couple of yours whatever we can find online and we will link you throw girl info and um, any other shout outs you might have and how to follow Michelle can you tell people yes Uh, you can definitely follow me uh, on Instagram Facebook I'm always shot diva s-h-o-t-d-i-v-a my website is shotdiva.com and you can always find all the things um, that I've talked about um, on this podcast there and just shout out to track and field because we're doing the thing, you know, yeah. we're out there adjusting with the times and doing the best that we can. And um, and even this past year, we had some amazing athletes that has taken a stand for a lot of the issues that we deal with the track and field. So just shout out to track and field family in general. I miss y'all. Can't wait to see y'all soon. And um, let's make 2021 the best year we can. Brilliant, Michelle. Hopefully we see you on the trials, on the TV, and Olympics, and cheering for you. 
So good luck. Thanks, Thank Mill. you. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah, we hope so to nice see to you soon. <laughs> All right, bye. 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 Thank you. Keep chatting. Keep chatting. Keep chatting. Major shout outs to What Cheer Writers Club Podcasting Studio, a nonprofit supporting Rhode Island's content creators and where Roshin and I record, and to Rudy Nakashima for our funky outro song. Thanks, guys. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning or have never even heard of paddle or padel, as it's called in North America. This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!